Hallo zusammen and welcome to Ambiguous Borders. I'm your host Miles and with me is my co-host Sevi. Hello everyone. So this podcast aims to introduce you to different cultures, debates and autonomous reasons, regions from across the world. So what are we talking about today, Mr. Miles? So we're going to be talking about uh, the Sud Tyrol or the South Tyrol area of um, Europe. <laughs> wow, getting very political there, or lack of political. <laughs> yeah, just thought I'd introduce it like that. Specifically, the question is going to be something along the lines of why does uh, South Tyrol want to rejoin Austria? Yes. Why did South Tyrol want to unify with Austria? We've changed it to did now, have we? Well, you told me it sounds better as did. I did. I did. But you, you didn't, just didn't think I would it. actually... Okay, do it. Okay. All right. Sorry. Just uh, Sevi and I bickering to start us off. So, yeah, ambiguous wow. borders. This is, this is like the first time that... Um, first time in, what, two episodes that we've had an ambiguous border back again? I feel like every episode is an ambiguous border, but this one is definitely... Uh, I guess the border isn't as ambiguous as just like... Yeah, no, I guess the border is... We'll see. Yeah, we'll talk more. Um, so It's definitely fuzzy. Yeah, so... Yeah, what did you know about this question or area before we before we started doing some research and getting uh, getting involved? I had not heard of this area at all, um, by okay. name. I'd heard of like uh, like so 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 we'll get to it, but it's like in northern uh, Italy, and so I know like northern Italy has like the Alps, and I knew about the Dolomites in that area. I've heard of the Dolomites. I think I knew they were in this specific area because. Um, You've told me about them before, but I wasn't as, like, I didn't know as much about, like, South Tyrol and, uh, basically, its connections with Austria. What, what did you think of, like, this area before before this? Did you think it was all very, like, what, what did you imagine, like, the border regions were like between, sort of, these countries in the Alps or even in other parts of Europe as well? What was your... Um, I'd know that... Like, on average, most mountainous regions are more autonomous in the world. That's just kind of like the people who are brought up there are like, it's kind of more of like, you can defend it better. There's like s- some, uh, it's more isolated. Yeah, it's more isolated. Um, but not the most, this doesn't answer your question. I didn't know much about the borders, but all I did know is more about like, like, oh, it's the Dolomites. Like, it's more touristy. It's more, uh, like you go there for travel and you like do, mountain related activities um or when you say more touristy what do you mean by more more than what okay maybe not more than rome but like more than like another part of italy like tuscany or pompeii or venice like or you, Milan, okay okay or... i don't know if it's more than those or not but like those are also i would argue touristy i meant the non things you haven't mentioned <laughs> anyway have you been to south tyrol miles yeah, I've been there a few times. Uh, I'm very lucky to have been. And yeah, I think I've been there three times. Okay, so you've been there. So t- tell us, like, what do you think of it and where is it? So it's in Italy, nominally. And you, you turn up and you're like, Buongiorno. And they're like, Guten Tag. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ooh. Is that actually what happened? 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So it, it's quite interesting that yeah. Also, um. So we we drove there and uh, yeah, I spent spent a bit of time there. So yeah, lots to do. Really nice place. Like I'm sure we'll get into it later, but yeah, I knew a bit about it. I knew a bit about the history as well. Probably not as in depth. More on an. I probably actually didn't even know it's an autonomous region. To be honest with oh, you, wow. I just thought it was a part of Italy. To be fair, there was just very so a lot of that sort of like history. But I'd I'd been to some stuff from like World War One and stuff. Um, you can see some like stuff today that exists from those times. But in terms of like the recent troubles they've had and things like that probably wasn't aware okay like honestly um i didn't think it was a bigger deal like as an important border as it actually turned out to be from doing the research i think that was quite cool actually is it was like an area i knew and i was like that's why i picked the place and then i was like oh actually this wasn't a bad question it wasn't like (laughs) some of the other places some of the other places we've looked at before and we're like hmm what i hear you saying is you thought it would be a bad question and it turned out not to be it's good well it's gonna be a great place there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff there so there's always going to be something on it okay so yeah it's in northern italy just south of austria surprise surprise um and it even touches on its western border part of switzerland yeah so it's called south tyrol so it's called South Tyrol, which implies there's a North Tyrol. I think it would. Is North Tyrol in well, north of South Tyrol is Austria. Is North Tyrol in Austria? No, South Tyrol is in Italy. Sorry, South Tyrol is and... in Italy. So, but Austria is north of South Tyrol. So, therefore, is North Tyrol in Austria? I don't know, actually. This is a part, but I know that there is an area called the Tyrol, which actually occupies a large chunk of Austria, which is obviously north of South Tyrol. So most of like sort of that border region from Austria is called the Tyrol region. Yeah, and and North Tyrol is is in Austria. Um, there is like okay. so, just so like there's, there's a north, province. There's Tyrol and there's South Tyrol. Yeah, and then actually south of uh, South Tyrol is Trentino which technically yes, is yeah. like still part of that Tyrol region from long ago. Yeah. To the east as well, there's part of um, the Venice region as well, and that's that was also incorporated in there as well. Okay. Um, so specifically, that's where I would probably stay when I've been there. In, um, as in Trentino or in so Venice? When I've, been, when I've been to the... It's in the Venice region. Okay. But it's... Like, it's like the border is like the five minutes. I think it's like uh, 25 minutes between Bolzano, which is the capital of um, the Sud-Tirol region. And the the town that I was in was called Cortina d'Ampezzo, which okay. is a very famous place. They are hosting the Winter Olympics for the second time in 2026. Oh, wow. Soon. Yeah. And also, I can't believe we haven't said it, but good episode three. Why is Venice sinking? Since we just said Venice a bunch of times. <laughs> yes. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless. Right. Okay. All right. Keep going. Right. So um, maybe we can just talk about how big the South Tyrol area is. So it's actually quite a small area in terms of the autonomous region. 
uh, I get it as about 500 and well, let's do let's do the area. So 7,400 kilometers squared, I think. Mm-hmm. That is from the top of my head. So please tell me if I'm wrong because I haven't written it down. Uh, 7,400 kilometers squared. Oh, so, so you're really close. I did that. Re- I did that. I did that research the yeah. other day, and I'm yeah. surprised I can remember it. T- 2,857 um, so square miles. Yeah, so it's about the same size as Cyprus in area or uh, Delaware in the United States. Okay, fine. You can take mine. I'll take another one of yours. It's about a quarter the size of Belgium or Armenia or something for as another. So a quarter of that. So not that, but a quarter. Um, And Miles is like, it's quite small. It is quite small for Europe, but it's also one of the larger provinces within Italy, um, to give you a sense. So it's, it's the pop- second largest, I think. I think so. I yeah yeah don't quote us on that but it's around there um so the population is 534,000 inhabitants as of 2021 so uh that's about the same size as wyoming which is the least populated state in the u.s um or the maldives which are like an island a group of islands in the indian ocean yeah or same size as capo verde which is further south a group of an archipelago south of um yeah the Canary Islands. And to give a slightly more European perspective, it's slightly bigger than Luxembourg in terms of population. Okay, that's good. Uh, it's also just a, a little segue sneaky hint. It also is the um, about the same size as Colorado Springs. Oh, really? Okay. But that gives me a good idea. So, <laughs> Miles has a big smile on his face for that one. <laughs> oh, come on. That, that's a good little hint for the next... Oh, okay, I get it now. Okay. Yeah, that went over my head. Okay. Uh, so, what do you want to talk about next? You can tell me about the climate. You said you've prepared a, a document on the climate. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we'll go... Yeah, I guess we'll do climate and then I'll pass it to geography with you for you. Um, and our, we already talked about it. it's quite mountainous. So, it's quite mountainous. Now, what's interesting about the climate here is, like, it's a small province, right? In northern Italy, um, and you'd be like, oh, like, there's all these climate classification zones. We haven't done an episode on that, but we should. Um, but this one actually has five different ones in it. And you're like, why does it have five? It's 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 because it's got mountains. And like, as you go higher, they change. Um, so we'll start with um, the lowest climate. So this is below 300 meters uh, above sea level. So that's from the top of the Eiffel Tower down. Um, or I guess from the bottom of the Eiffel Tower, if it was at sea level. How, how, mu- how much of this is below 300 meters in height? So yeah, the valleys are quite low. So the uh, Deesh, um Valley area, so uh, is uh, the human subtropical climate or CFA. Um, and this is actually quite like warm. So to give you a sense, this is like the US, the Southern United States has the same classification zone. So from Texas to Georgia, um, it's also the same as Milan, Turin, Bologna, and Verona um, in terms of what it, what it's like. Above the Eiffel Tower from sea level, so above 300 meters, um, and we get to the CFB climate zone or the oceanic climate. Um, so Miles is very familiar with this one. This is like UK, Ireland, New Zealand, and even large areas of France are kind of within this kind of zone. So it's a little cooler, but not, um, but still like, like I don't know, it's, it's Europe, right? It's still pretty warm. Um, what what uh, altitude do you give that? Sorry. 
above 300 meters, but below 900 meters. So 900 yeah, meters. So I to- think we're getting up into sort of like the pastures and meadow sort of sections here. Um, like a lot of farmland sort of like imagine like a rolling sort of grassland just like on like gentle slopes above the uh, like these cities. So you've got like the, yeah, the city's towns and then you have like these meadowy sort of things and they'll have like little cute towns in between those with like church spires picking it like very picturesque at this point and yeah. then we'll fill in the rest of the picture think think of the sound of music right the crude rolling hills the hills are alive just mouse doesn't know that reference a lot of people will though um <laughs> so i uh, yeah so ag- agreed and also like we say cities like there aren't really cities in south tyrol they're more like towns and villages or large towns and villages um but yes Okay, so, and then we'll go above 900 meters, to give you a sense. That's about the height of the Burj Khalifa, a little taller. So, like, imagine that amount of land above sea level. Um, And we get to the humid continental climate. So this is a little bit colder. So this is more like Poland, Germany, New England, if you're in the United States. So more cold, frigid winters, lots of snow. Um, And so you get that. And then we go up to 1,400 meters. Yeah, so that's like alpine meadows, so a lot shorter, grasses and flowers, um, a lot more, like, it's less grazing land, but it still has some grazing things, uh, like sheep and stuff on it, but it's not like cattle farm, and it continues that sort of meadowy, alpine meadow, um, uh, picturesque scenery, I guess, yeah. Cool. So then we'll go up to 1,400 meters and above that. Um, between 14 and 1700. So that's above the size of a Burj Khalifa and a half. So add another half on top. Um, and we get to subarctic climate. So this is like Alaska, Northern Canada, Russia, Europe. So specifically like Northern parts of Norway, Sweden, Finland, to give you a sense. Um, and right, it's called subarctic climate. So it's quite cold. Yeah, so... If you imagine the the step below, it was it was that meadows, and actually I meant to mention that it has like some forests as well, sort of interspersed into these meadows as well. And then, as you can somehow already probably take it, an example, we've gone from like how how did you describe the previous one as like as like cold but like, snowy cool European sort of like yeah. yeah, and then we've gone to subarctic. You can tell there's a there's a yeah. bit of a bigger jump there, and so. We've had this gentle slope to the metal, and now it's starting to really um, kick up in gradient. So you're expected to see a bit more scree and like uncovered. So we're sort of like above more rocky. the tree line now. Yeah. So it's it's more scree and and yeah. slopes like that rather than like sheer rock. So it's it's yeah. like gravel. But I but guess, but the point is like the, the 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 floor is made of the gravel like rock, right? It's no longer grass. Yeah. yeah. And dirt. It's- and then we get above 1700, which is like two Burj Khalifas stacked on top of each other. And that's Alpine Tundra. So that's like polar climate. So this is like like, like polar ice caps type stuff. And this is where you talk about like sheer rock faces, snow and ice. And um, yeah, you're, you're basically like you're you're going north through Europe really quickly uh, by but you do it by just going straight up through the Alps. Um, yeah. And I mean, a lot as you, as you pointed out, a lot of this is the same on any mountain as yeah. well. What's quite um, significant about the Dolomites and particularly this area is the the, the gradient increases as you go. Yeah. 
and where, where we mentioned there's like sheer rock faces most most um tops in the dolomites are like a 90 90 degrees coming out sort of idea we will i'm sure we will touch on it later when we get into the more interesting tourism part okay um but <laughs> we'll yeah, get, get there the, soon you get the idea so, so like or i uh, mount ortler is the is the highest mountain so that's about 3905 meters um or 12,000 feet um and it's in the far west and it's the highest of all the eastern alps so technically the eastern alps are a little lower but it's the highest of those um and then the famous dolomites are also in this specific region of the world it sense like 50% of the land is actually forested um, in this area, in this uh, province, which was surprising to me. Uh, but the other 40% is actually above tree line. So that's why it's not forested. And then you can see, oh, there's a 10% left. That's probably more of the pastures you're talking about as well as like the cities and rivers and lakes. Cool. So take us into some of the demographics, Miles, or uh, I, I know it'll lead to the question a little bit, but just to get to the basics. So the basics we've already mentioned sort of, uh, so I, I, I introduced us in German, in case you didn't notice. Uh, I did, but thank you that, for explaining. Yeah, so at the beginning, um, so I also mentioned that they speak German and Italian, so we can already see that there's that sense of uh, those two languages are obviously going to be the main two languages. Uh, which one do you think they speak more of, Sevi? I think they speak more German, but I did research, so... Yeah, they do speak more German. So it's about just under 70% would speak German as their first language. And about 26% speak Italian. And to give you another way to see it, it, it almost feels like more than that for German because of the 116 municipalities, 103 of them, so a majority of them are mostly German in terms of speaking. And that's mostly because the Italian ones are concentrated in like the main city of Bolzano, the capital and largest city. Yeah, it's also useful to remember that this area will have a high rate of bilingual and trilinguality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just useful to remember that, you know, it's not like they can only speak German. It's most people can probably speak German and Italian. Uh, what's, yeah. the, what's the third official language for the province? So the third official is Ladin, which is a like a, another romance language uh, very close to romance which is the swiss the fourth swiss language if you will where switzerland has french german italian and romance and it's sort of on its own route out of um latin and so it's probably like i think it's the closest living ancestor to latin that really? family um that they currently speak and that's about 4.5 percent We'll speak that at the moment. Yeah, and it's been about that much for the last hundred years, uh, that percentage, and it's really localized in one area of South Tyrol, where a lot of people who practice those customs and um, who are Landon live. It's about it's in the yeah. uh, eastern part, like the center east of the country, of the province. Sorry. Yeah, and it actually spills over to the other province as well, so it's not like a. It's yeah. just on that one side, it actually spills over into the other side. So when we talk about South Tyrol as a autonomous region, it does actually have, it's not, it's not like, again, a solid border. And that's the end of all this story that we're going to be talking about. It's actually almost like a, a spectrum 
just fading down slowly as we head further away from these places, essentially. That's a really good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, so most people are Christian. Uh, there's actually no figures on percentages, but we can... Uh, it is uh, Catholic Christian is the is the main... Um, the main sect of uh, Christianity, and that's quite reflective. You've got Ita Italy and Austria, who are both big Catholic Christian nations, so it's it's not very surprising. Mm -hmm. And then one last thing on the language is, um, if you knew Italian well and you went to South Tyrol, you'd be able to speak with the Italians. If you knew German well and you went to South Tyrol to speak with the Germans, it would be a lot harder because their dialect is very unique. Um, and I've heard it's like takes six months to kind of like get acclimatized. And even then, like, it's going to be hard to speak the same way they are in terms of their dialect, because it is quite, um, quite unique. Yeah. So, so while we're just on demographics, I think it's also good to, to notice, I'm positive this will come up in the question as well, but this is actually a very wealthy area of mm -hmm. uh, Italy. This is, I think, under some some calculations it's one of the wealthiest places in the eu per capita yeah uh with the highest like median incomes or wealth as well um this is yeah if you look yeah. at gdp per capita it's like definitely the highest in italy and it's in the top 20 in all of europe yeah it, it's um it's yeah having been there it's a very a very wealthy area <laughs> is that because things were expensive what made you think that um, maybe we will get into this okay. in the tourism sector. This is going to be a great well, tourism no, sector. We, we, but, we uh, can do that now if you want. Okay, sure. We can, we can head into that. So I'm going to kickstart this and say, Sevi, what do you think it's like to go there? No, I definitely feel like it's more of like an active vacation where you go to like chalets and you, I don't know, you might hike. If it's the winter, you might ski. Um, you might, it's a lot uh, you, yeah. And, and, and I'm guessing like, it would be a lot of like, just like going through the, t the old towns and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's my like semi guess. What, what, what is it actually like? Yeah, it, it's, it's quite similar to that. So it's really set up to do, you know, a lot of walking, a lot of hiking, mountain biking, uh, in the winter, obviously snow sports are very common. It's, you know, we're talking about a mountainous area, it gets buckets of snow. It's, it's also, I cannot understate how beautiful it is as like a mountain range as well. Like the Dolomites are one of the most unique mountain ranges. They have um, some of the most spectacular scene scenery ever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very hard to argue that there is a better looking mountain range in the world. I feel like it's easy to argue, but I, I you're saying it's hard for you to argue that based on what you've seen. No, I, I think other people would have a tough time too. It's okay. it's very unique in the way it's it's very um picture as we said about this. But you have like this, as we've said, sort of the forests and the meadows in this gentle slope, and then there's just like these huge like towers of dolomite rock, which are coming out like straight up vertical yeah. and they're very imposing and they're they're sharp. Beautiful granite. Beautiful pitch. Yeah, well, no, it's uh, dolomite, okay. which is its own stone, which is also why this is significant okay. as well. So in the sunsets and sunrises, it glows pink. Okay. So it's, yeah, that, um, that, that which, would which make it... it like its unique hue. Um, Got it. Which is why people love it. And, you know, there's people that just, you know, what, what, what more would you want to 
um, to hike up to one of these top. They have like, it's so well set up for hiking as well. I can't tell you how, how easy it is to do all of the things that you want to do there. You know, you have like cafes at the top of everything. You can get your ice cream and your, your espresso in the morning. You can read your paper if you're into that. You know, they can sell, sell those things. And there's this spect spectacular view. All the chairlifts and like funiculars and things are open in the summer to help people up and down if you only okay. want to go like one way. So like if you've got kids or something, you can take your um, cable car up to the top and walk down because it's easier. If you're a bit weird like me, you can get it up at the end of the day because you've already done a hike in the morning. So you can go up to the top and then speedy way down on the uh, funiculi. <laughs> Yeah, there's just there's so much um, to do, and they also have this unique um, activity called a via ferrata. What's this? Uh, so, mean... so it's kind of halfway between rock climbing and walking. Oh, this is where you're like on the ropes along the side of the cliffs, and you're like laterally going along the cliffs, right? No, not quite. So, it's usually you'll have metal bars that have been put into the rock. Okay. Um, sometimes there are rope things, but generally they're, they're metal bars. And then there's a cable that runs along sort of like the path you're supposed to take. They're not always side to side. Sometimes they can be straight up like the vertical okay. slopes. Um, and then you have a harness and, um, two hooks, two, two carabiners, two, two, yeah, two carabiners and a, like a, it's not quite a bungee cord, but it feels like it. Yeah. Like a rope, and, and a, so a stretchy the, rope. Yeah. And because the cable is like stayed at like two meter intervals or something, mm -hmm. the uh, you you pull them up with you and then you latch them onto the next step up. Yeah. So you're always like the most you can fall is like two meters plus whatever give there is in your harness and your yeah. um, cable rope. stays or whatever. Sorry, yeah. in your your the your bungee equipment. rope. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so the bungee rope is like um, like an accordion of cotton that's all been stitched together okay and so like when you pull on it it'll all come undone but it obviously force times time equals okay. changing momentum so it increases the time so you have less force on your body cool that's the th that's the theory of it and so yeah you can do that there they have like what they call refugios which are like cabins and huts also up along the way so if you want to do a multi-day hike it's super easy. They're all set up to to cater for that. So you just bring your sleeping bags with you. You go up, you stay over. So you don't even you like walking. need a tent, is what you're saying. Yeah, there. But you wouldn't want one either. <laughs> it does get cold. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. Cold and windy. Like you'd rather be inside, and it's all set up to do that. So how how amazing is that? That is pretty cool. Yeah. And then in winter, it's cross country skiing is very big because people don't want to see their beloved mountains have all these alpine runs it's actually harder to get like steep slopes because of that sort of meadow plus tower okay of rock so basically yeah because like what you want is like a even steep slope all the way down to the bottom and you're saying this terrain doesn't accommodate that well but it does accommodate cross-country skiing and backcountry well that's not to say there are no ski resorts there are ski resorts and it does work i'm just saying generally there's a lot less in this area than other parts that's helpful so the next part of the, about the tourism is the towns the towns are as we've sort of mentioned where it's a very wealthy area they are like very chic towns like very fancy like restaurants exist there it's all like 
Um, so when I was there, there was like Italian football teams would go there on their breaks oh, because wow. that's where they'd go and like spend their money and enjoy the atmosphere and like the laid back way of life and everybody's dressed up. It's, I mean, it's Italy as well. I mean, yeah. Did you find it was mostly Italian where you were in terms of the people? So even if they're German speaking, it doesn't mean they yeah. are German culturally in every way. So you're saying they would also, they would normally speak Italian, like if they, even if they were Germanic, if they were German was their first language. I'm not saying speak Italian, yeah. but the way they would okay. like, like it, it like it yeah. is one culture still. No, that makes sense. Okay. So you're saying like it, 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 that culture of dressing well from Italy, like is in this region as well as what you're yeah. saying. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they have like their little Fiat 500s that they drive up in, which are, is quite impractical, I think. So that's quite funny. I learned that wine was a big deal. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big deal. Like food in general is, you know, they have like some of the best cheeses from all the mountain cheeses. And, um, they are obviously you're mixing like high quality mountainous um, produce with, with Italian cooking as well. And I'm guessing it was pretty expensive because of the tourism, but also because like, it's just like we said the area is pretty profitable yeah. yeah it's a it's a wealthy area for sure cool uh yeah absolutely i i don't think at the time i realized how how cool it was um and anything else you want to gush about in terms of going there and so something that is quite cool is um on your hikes so i did a lot of hiking when i was there um you can reuse or like a lot of the trenches that they used, they built and tunnels they built in World War One when the Austrians were fighting the Italians mm-hmm. uh, still exist, and oh, you wow. use those um, on your hikes as well. Huh, that's really, and they're just still there because like the ground is firm enough and cold enough. Yeah, it just they stays... blast through rock. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, cool. That's really different. I like yeah, the idea you have of to bring your torch when you go hiking because. Because you might be in the tunnels. No, but I like the idea of like, like the thing that was used for war is now like just something recreation for everybody. Okay, that's enough of me talking about this place. Uh, have I convinced you to go there, Sevi? Um, yes, although that happens most episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, I- I'll say like a couple of quick more things to kind of give you a sense. Like apple trees are a huge thing. Like they're all over the place. Um, and apparently like. Uh, these are like wild apples. So like, you kind of have to eat them at the right time. So it's not like an apple falls and you're like, Oh, that looks good. Um, the apparently trains and buses, like notoriously, they're not as well timed in Italy, but in this area, they are actually pretty good. And I think that's partly due to the, um, like they can spend a little bit more money on that. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but there's even a train that will take you to the ski slope. Like literally you get off the train and you go skiing. Um, which is pretty cool. At least I thought it was very cool. Um, yes. Okay, cool. Are you ready to dive into the question, Miles? I'm more than ready to dive okay. into the question. So Can the, you tell me what it is? Though? Yes, I will. The question is, why did South Tyrol, a province of Italy, want to reunify with Austria? Can you answer the question in one word? You can They're say like, no. Tyrol is my one word. <laughs> Okay, so 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 no, not really. Okay, that's a good sign. So why why did it want to 
um, be a part of it. So do you want to take us through a bit of like the history maybe? Yeah, maybe that's a sure. good, good shout so we can sort of like understand what's happened. So the reason I said Tyrol is like the answer is there was an old county of Tyrol that was part of the Roman Empire, right? In Roman times. Like you can think of like the Roman Empire had lots of collections of different areas, just like there are different provinces in Italy or different states in the US. And uh, and one of them was Tyrol, which included that part of Austria, the, this part of Italy um, as well. And uh, basically it came under uh, like lots of, like, you know, you're up, there's lots of handoffs. Um, but basically Austria had it and they regained it back in 1814 to kind of bring it into modern history. Um, and so it was like very, the culture was, um, like we talked about, like uh, pretty German was the main language spoken. Um, and then there was a lot of, uh, basically Italy got it back and there was actually a lot of awful uh, cultural assimilation under Mussolini. So he was sending lots of Italians. Um, so I think something that's really, I find really fascinating about like this, you mentioned 1814, the mid 1800s were really fascinating in Central Europe because this idea of belonging to a nation only started to exist about that time. As it opposed to really all these little kingdoms. These yeah. Yeah. Or duchies or yeah, yeah. What, whatever they were. People just didn't really care about that like this this country this uh, nationalization of it so you had like this big austro-hungarian empire which you may remember from like world war one mm -hmm. classes because that was sort of like the height and the or the start of the decline of it and you also had like italy only formed in like the 1860s i think and yeah uh so like they only had like that italianization which is where uh so if he's jumped ahead to benito yeah. mussolini's um assimilation project but this area of Italy wasn't very keen on... They, they didn't overly feel Italian even then. So they were just kind of like... that was. They didn't like the Austro-Hungarians at the time. Mm -hmm. um, because of like natures of war and conflict yeah. from previous times. So they, they weren't very keen on them. So they kind of like said, yes, we'll accept the Italian unification thing. Mm -hmm. And then... As we said, in um, Benito and Mussolini got into power in. I, uh, well, this is like around the, just before World War Two, right? Um, yeah. And, so this is uh, after World War One. Yeah. So you think about World War One, where I mentioned they were fighting against the Austro-Hungarians yeah. at times. So, um, interestingly, again, uh, in World War, as you take it from Benito yeah. and Mussolini. Yeah. So 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 basically, yeah. No, uh, the um a good way to bridge it off what you're saying is like they were like oh like we'll go under italy but we're still our own like place right we're still our own people we'll yeah. do our own thing right and it wasn't until mussolini like really tried to like bind all the different parts of italy together and like do the cultural assimilation i was talking about where like they were like he, he was uh incentivizing italians to move to this area right so it could become more italian um or more like the classic central Italy Italian and I uh, there was the and they were really against this they also lost a lot of their rights um at that time as well um and really they were given an option it was kind of awful it's like they were given an option by Mussolini they're like hey you can like either go to Germany right and um or you can uh stay here and literally the people who lived there they were like was it Germany or Austria so it was basically like Austria um yeah like yeah yes both um but the idea is, um, like Austria, like very heavily not Nazi, uh, 
at this time. So literally the people, the way they saw it is like, you're either a traitor by staying here or you're a Nazi by leaving. So literally it's like two bad options. And apparently it split a lot of families. Um, cause like lots of families, like some would go, some would stay. Um, mm-hmm. but what ended up happening is after world war two, when it was finished, a uh, majority did return. So I think it was 86% left. So quite a majority left, but wow. a majority also, that 80, that's 86% of the German speakers, not all the people. Um, so it was more the same thing. Cause back then it was majority German. Like it, it was like 80 plus percent, uh, germanic right. speakers um like you talked about nowadays it, it was like 60 70 percent um as their f- first language i i saw 60 but like back then it was even more like it's kind of slowly gone down over the last 50 years um mm-hmm. so but a lot a lot returned not everybody but a lot returned um after that um after world war ii um and then obviously like the allies kind of broke up europe into all the different sections that it became and this area ended up becoming part of italy yeah, so actually it was a, an agreement with France and the UK, or the Allies, I suppose, mm. um, was that if Italy joined, you know, um, you know, Italy didn't join the, the war initially, mm-hmm. and then Mussolini kind of joined on the... Nazi side, like, yeah. Like, and then they they swapped, they surrendered and then swapped sides, basically. Yeah. And part of their... Um, so if you think about it, oh yeah, it was like they joined the, the winners eventually, but it was actually wasn't really like that, is they wanted to be neutral. You know, they've just been through part of the war. They don't really want to continue a yeah. war uh, if they've just stopped fighting. But actually, the Allies convinced Italy, and part of that convincing was to give them land such as Dalmatia, which is modern-day Croatia, um, like parts of Slovenia, and including this South Tyrol area. Mm-hmm. This is a very much like a... Uh, so that, that sort of like convinced them to join the war on the Allies' side, which is why they essentially have it now as part of their agreements were to take this, this, these land areas. So yeah. And that's a good answer to why this area of South Tyrol is technically a province of Italy right now. Yeah. So, um, do you want to happened after that? So do you want to say anything else before it became an autonomous region in 1972? Uh, no, I'm okay. Okay, yeah, so, so it became an autonomous region in, like, 1972, so basically, like, Austria was at the table, but it was mostly South Tyrol and Italy, and basically they were able to negotiate, hey, like, like we want to be an autonomous region. One thing that came out of that is only 10% of their taxes actually go to the Italian government, so they keep most of their taxes inside their country. So we talked about how the public transportation is more timely and maybe better, like, that's a result of that. Yeah, and then like like you said, they went to the end, and then it actually got further codified um, by Austria and Italy in 1992. Due to, uh, I'm pretty sure the way it worked is like there was conflict. Like 1972 happened, they went to the UN, and then uh, there was actually even more conflict after that, and they kind of like had to further resolve it another time in 1992. Um, and since okay, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and definitely like I, I heard like a lot of the conflict did die down after 1972 due to like people felt a lot more, oh, now we're in an autonomous region, now we have control. Like, we, they're, they're, basically, I think bombings were the main uh, result of that tension. Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and kind of like that, that pressure, that public um, unrest uh, died down as a result of it becoming an autonomous region. 
And even today, there's yep. still like freedom parties and other parties that want to like either join Austria or even become their own intermediate step country in the in in the meantime. But th- these like get I think like like in the last twenty years, they've only gotten like ten seats on uh, maximum on like the on the council. Yeah, as part of South it's, it's not as popular it, now. Yeah. So it's a much smaller percentage. It's, it's, but part of that reason as well is also the EU. And there is less of a border now yeah. between Austria and Italy. So once you're an autonomous region and you're in the EU, what more do you actually gain by by doing anything else, really? There's nothing that essentially they, they, they spend all their money that they create on themselves. Okay, yeah. give or take. They have control. Yeah. And therefore, therefore, what more do they need? And there's even... They, or- they have that freedom of movement. They... They're they're a small a small country as well. They do they need a seat on the EU Council membership? Like no, but they have how many, they how have many... representatives for the EU in Brussels as part of a separate third party organization between actually the province in Italy and also even parts of Austria. I did not know yeah. that. That's very um, and I, it isn't a seat, but it's definitely like like uh, I'm not lobbyist is a strong word, but it's definitely like that kind of thing where like. They, they can say their needs. Okay, yeah, yeah. influences. In, in, yeah. Um, for the EU. Okay, interesting. Because I think, I think it fascinates me that um, when you have like these independence movements in, in Europe and uh, obviously some things are quite, like you don't want it to be violent. Uh, that should be just a, an absolute give or take. But if a, an area becomes, like what's the difference between an area being autonomous and being independent within the eu mm-hmm. now there are differences there are like you know you can have your own power on foreign policy and stuff like that and you probably have a you have a bigger vote on the eu stage but if, if you're really worried about like your internal culture and like preserving that then like uh, this is why this south tyrol is such a great example is once this autonomous region they had the the agreement with the austrians and the italians that they won't ban any schools. All the languages are officially recognized. Um, anyone is allowed to choose what school their children go to. Like it's, There's no restriction on... So you could be an Italian family and choose to send your children to a German school mm-hmm. and vice versa. And you can also... Um, oh, there's something else I was going to say on this. So education... Rah. I will say, like, it has become a huge, like, model for settling disputes um, in terms of linguistic minorities in Europe. Like, a lot of this example taken, like, from 1972, like, there's a lot of other autonomous regions in Europe or places that want to be more autonomous in terms of regions that uh, have used this as a model for settling disputes. Um, Because, like, 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 in the most part, like, and part of it's because the EU makes the borders a lot less important or a lot freer is a better way to put that. Um, and as a result, like that tension between the two sides is like a lot, a lot less important now than um, maybe it would have been before. And then the fact that they have the autonomy that they do also like takes the wind out of the sails of, of, of the uh, conflict. Yeah. I think, I think it's sorted out like most people's what they felt from that independence, um, what they would gain from that independence they've gained through other means. Yeah. Which I think is very, I think it's really fascinating. I think it it is a good example to learn from, not just within Europe but probably around the world, is to focus on, you know, what you want and does that actually come out of what you're trying to do? And 
you know, I think there are, I think there's multiple ways of solving problems. And I think this is a really good example of um, a way to solve a problem without, it is literally such a good solution because everyone was kind of happy in the end. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't go that far. Like there's definitely still like people within um, who are more on the Austrian side who are like, Hey, like, like these are mostly our people. Like we should be part of Austria. Like we're a lot more connected to that culture of North, North, North Tyrol than South Tyrol. Um, but on the other hand, there's also Italians who are like, Hey, this was our land like centuries ago. Like, and you guys all moved into it. Like, like, Hey, like it's unfair. Right. Um, and then if you just look at demographics, like over time, it has become a little bit more Italian as more Italians move up. And actually it's up to 10% now. Like, I think it was like 40 years ago, it was almost 0% of people who wouldn't say they're from um, Austria or wouldn't say they're Germanic or wouldn't say they're Italian at all. It's like a like third party kind of like outsiders yeah, yeah. Um, has grown. Well, that's probably people, people like future me that's going to go and live there and yeah. things like that because I like it. Yeah, exactly. But it, I'm, jo- I'm, I'm joking. But like that would be, you know, as a, you know, it's very tourist um, friendly and it's also very, wealthy and a place to aspire to so it's going to attract a lot of third party uh linguistics particularly obviously like english is becoming quite international and stuff like that so yeah cool um so miles why did south tyrol want to reunify with austria do you have a one word answer (laughs) or a short sentence let's do that see if you can do a short sentence why did it want to? Um, I think the best way is the region is a blurred line of culture and linguistics between two nations and therefore there are people that would sway to one side and people that will sway to the other. Yeah, and I, I'd even say putting it in two nations in those two buckets is a little bit unfair in the sense that like Tyrol almost is its own like culture that's like even different than Italy and Austria, like in the long run. Yeah. Um, and but you have different parts of yeah, Italy no, that definitely and different parts and, of Austria. And, so. and we talked about lots of examples, how there's those blur lines, whether it's like the Italian like style or like the, the mountainous like activities. And uh, it's definitely very ambiguous. <laughs> Just how we like it. Okay. Cool. So that is the end of episode 29, the penultimate episode in this season. Um, yeah. we're, getting, we're getting to our crown episode, Miles, ne- next time. I wonder what it'll be. No hints in this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can, uh, where can people find us? Uh, so you can find us at, at Ambiguous Borders on all the socials. Um, Sevi promised me he was going to post today. He didn't. And... Uh, <laughs> Not much we can do about that, but we can. The it's more still we follow today. Sebi, the more he will help post. So, still today. Um, yeah, give us a subscribe, like, engage with us as well. That'd be great. Yeah, and if you um, don't want to do all that, that's fine. Like, but definitely, like, let your friends know if this is something that sounds uh, that you like, that you enjoy. As they say in South Tyrol, Arrivederci, amici. Ciao. <laughs>